0: gummy bear it's the internet you're busy let's do this for september 2nd 2022 for the next hour or so let me help you sort through the world of gaming on game mess mornings live with me jeff grubb Today, the next Assassin's Creed is in a mirage, and Earth Defense Force 6 is the Elden Ring of in- Earth Defense Force games. But first, please join me in welcoming today's co-host the Game Best Mornings. It's John from Spawn Wave. John, how are you doing? I, I'm great. You know, it's September started. Yes,
1: it's I'm re- I was. I was ready for the summer to end. It's too hot out. I'm ready for it to get cold, which means in like a month and a half, I'll complain about the cold and I'm ready for it to get hot.
0: Yeah, but, of course. That, I mean, that's what it's got to be, right? The duality of man and all that stuff. What, what is the, like the average temperature for you throughout the summer where you're at? Like, what's it like usually? Like mid to high 80s. Yeah, that's a, that is a touch too hot for me. I, I, we moved from Colorado to Cleveland this summer and Colorado gets to like 90, 95 all summer long. It's super hot. Uh, it's a desert, so yeah, that happens. Well,
1: uh, I'm near the water, so it's 100 humidity all the time.
0: Exactly. It was a dry heat, so now I'm I moved here near the, yeah. <laughs> right near the water, and it's like 80, 85, but the humidity. So it's like in Denver, I was hot every day, but I was taking a shower like every two days. It was fine. It was no problem. no it was never sweating. Here, it's like oh no, every day it is a swampy mess. But yeah. I still kind of almost prefer like the lower temperature overall. Humidity, it's a r- real pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm.
1: I'm just ready for September, ready to, ready to see some, some news popping up, some games getting revealed. I'm just, I'm ready for things to pick up and summer to end.
0: It's that, I mean, it really feels like September is going to kick off with a ton of stuff, right? Like there's just going to be like every day, a couple of new smaller announcement things get announced, uh, -hmm. like say, Hey, we're going to have another event. Like NIS, NIS America said a few days ago, they're going to have something, uh, and, uh, I think another thing did get announced today i don't even remember what it was but like the calendar is filling up it almost feels like e3 part two right now for september yeah yeah i'm ready ready for that to happen absolutely uh john just real quick for people who might not know you when introduce yourself just say hey spawn wave what you do over there
1: oh yeah yeah. yeah. I, I i attempt to to run a youtube channel i uh, do a podcast on the weekends i do like news shows in the morning And then I'll take apart technology and video game stuff on the weekends and just overall opinions on different things happening.
0: Absolutely. All right. Uh, Before we get into this mess, let me explain what we do over here. Each weekday, I, Jeff Grubb, will help piece your gaming life back together. That includes breaking news, the catch up where we discuss the biggest topics consuming the lives of gamers everywhere, and maybe even bring in some of our own original reporting for all these topics. I'll get the input of a bona fide expert who will make me look smart. If you are watching live on Twitch, welcome. Hello, Twitch. You can always listen to the show later on podcast feeds by searching for Game Mess Mornings or find the RSS on giantbomb.com. You can also catch the show later with chapters and timestamps on YouTube. If you're watching on there, hello, YouTube. Appreciate you showing up. Okay, let's get into this with the morning mess, starting with Assassin's Creed Mirage has been officially announced. The showcase is on September 10th at 9 p.m. We've kind of known that this was going to happen after leak, after leak, after leak. Finally, Ubisoft said, enough, we're just going to leak it ourselves from the Ubisoft store, and then that forced them to have to actually confirm it even before the September 10th event. Um, where are you at with Assassin's Creed? Are you excited about this one? I, I've got a little bit of excitement just because they're going to try to go back to that old version of Assassin's Creed where it's less rpg Even though I like the new RPG ones, it's nice to maybe have some variety within this IP, I think. What do you think?
1: Excited for the the fact that it it sounds like it's not going to be the hundred-some-odd-hour adventure that Valhalla is. Exactly. uh, Because people would tell me that they spent 80 hours beating the game for the main story. And I'm like, that sounds bad. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like work. Yeah,
0: exactly, right? It sounds like uh, overwhelming to the point where I'm afraid to actually really start it. Like, I started Valhalla and played five hours, and I'm like, okay, the world just keeps opening and opening and opening, and there's more possibilities already. Uh, and then you talk to other people, and they say, no, I'm like 30 hours in, and I'm still just like, uh, they're still discovering new and new things all the time that are like more things to do constantly. And so like, you, you, then you hear like, okay, no, people were playing that for 80, 90 hours. It is overwhelming, and it makes me not even want to start it, really. So I, I think taking what was going to be DLC in this uh, Mirage and making it standalone, I love that idea. I actually almost always enjoy like the expand alone, uh, standalone DLC things more than the base game because they're more concise and they feel more edited. I, I, Miles Morales is better than Spider Man twenty eighteen. I think that's a great idea. More studios should embrace this.
1: I'm getting some like Assassin's Creed like
0: Rogue vibes from this. Yes, that too though, and that's I mean Rogue is fine. I it feel it was like the watered down version of Black Flag, right? yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I, was, it, it, I i, I cool. liked rogue i thought i was yeah. all right yeah. black flag was i think is still a lot of people's favorite one that
1: one and i liked assassin's creed 2 a lot
0: yeah those are uh, the two major ones i liked uh brotherhood was the one that really really hooked me and then black flag of course i think every, everyone likes black flag uh it's like uh, it, you know recently though um not it was the uh, origins like the rpg ones are working i get why they want to go with in that direction for their big initiative with infinity and say, this is going to be the Assassin's Creed of the future. I hope that Mirage succeeds sort of on its own terms though, and offers them this sort of outlet for, okay, in on the off year for infinity, where this is going to be a platform, however, they're going to handle that, whatever it looks like, even if it is a major success for them, which who knows if it's going to be, I hope that Mirage offers them a chance to say, well, we can occasionally put out an old style Assassin's Creed just weird i guess to call it old style now but you know, I mean, the series is the kind of old now at this Wait, point.
1: xbox 360 is a retro system man. that's exactly. where it
0: debuted yeah exactly so it's like, I, like if they have a pathway to keep putting out these versions of assassin's creed every two to three years going forward i think that would be nice it'd like keep things varied um and it's a way to like uh, not make that infinity feel like something you have to keep up with. If you are someone who does just want to like touch back in on the series every couple of years, hopefully they offer you a way to do that. Do you think there's yeah. any potential that that's what's going to happen here, though? I hope so, because Ubisoft just is, is in love with
1: the live service stuff. And my, my issue with the live service stuff is eventually you're just going to run out of gamers time. Like if you have 50 live service games... Like you're not going to be able to spread your time between all of them anyway. So I like the idea of just making a game and selling it. I, it's a crazy concept now, I know, but like yep. just selling the game and then you make another game. And like that, that's that's kind of what I, what I would like to see them do with these small. I guess you could even say smaller budget Assassin's Creed games. And I, it's, not every game has to be the triple A, eighty hour game. You can do something like this, and if it's a good, tight knit experience. I like the full price thing i know people still go back and forth on but if it's an enjoyable 10 to 15 hour game i I, like i'm good with that yeah if if it doesn't feel bloated and everything and
0: and what it's like what i really want here is i do want i do want both uh i think there's Mm, there's part of me that wants to find the game that can be my forever game and uh I, i think publishers are realizing that they can actually execute on both that was the thing that was happening over the like the last 10 years where these companies were like okay we're, we are going all in on live service games, so therefore we have to abandon the old way of doing things. And I think like EA has sort of had their come-to-Jesus moment in the last uh, couple of years. We're like, oh, wait, yeah. <laughs> if we put out uh, single-player games that people like and enjoy and uh, are, you know, they don't even have to be game-of-the-year contenders, but are solid, good single-player games, people will buy those up to 10, 12 million copies, make them, turn them into huge successes, and then also we can have Apex Legends over there doing its thing
1: people still asking if if loot boxes are going into jedi fallen order it's like the yeah. game's been out for so long like the next one's coming out they still answer those questions
0: <laughs> yep yeah exactly right and they're yeah, investor meetings they're like they still want to they're still hearing that stuff but it's like no ea understands it now that they can put out jedi fallen order make a sequel for it and then invest in dead space and you know that that is like a whole other thing for them aside from what is happening with apex legends and it's gonna kind of it Hopefully this continues to work out for them, and I hope other publishers can see that and be like, we can do both. Uh, Ubisoft, though, I, I, I don't know. They have their mm. overall strategy of being like, we are going to have... They, they, I think they have this idea that they could possibly do both, but their like mothership strategies. I think, what they call it, where like we're going to have a big mothership game for each of our IP that is this big live service thing. I think if they struggle to get that going in something like an Assassin's Creed, they might just blow up the whole thing, and we'll see. I don't
1: just know. make prince of persia okay just make them. yeah Come absolutely
0: on. that's what i really want Sansa, <laughs> time absolutely uh earth defense force six has surpassed three hundred thousand copies sold uh kind of just you know, Earth Defense Force, a long-running series, uh, I put this in here just because I'm like, it's, like, more successful than ever. Like, this is its biggest launch ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, having achieved this milestone within its first week uh, of release, Earth Defense Force 6 is the fastest-selling entry in the series. Uh, according to Famitsu sales numbers, Earth Defense Force 6 sold 68,000 copies on PlayStation 4 and 24,000 copies on PlayStation 5. Those are the physical sales, uh, and that was by August 28th, meaning at least 92,000 copies were sold at retailers. So... Uh, that's pretty good. Also, like people still showing up for franchises like this on PlayStation four in droves in Japan. So yeah, Earth Defense Force six is kind of having its like biggest moment yet. Uh, I-, I like the Earth-, Earth Defense Force games. I'm glad they just kind of like keep making the same shit over and over. Uh, I think it's the kind of thing where it's like it's winning over more fans, right?
1: Yeah, I-, I played it on the 360. I really haven't played it much since then.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, but if if what you're saying is true and it's it's more of the same, that was a fun experience. Then uh, it, it released in Japan specifically, and eventually they do like these sporadic releases for it. I mm-hmm. know worldwide, like they brought one to the Switch years after it had been on other platforms uh, in Japan and everything. But you know what's really interesting about this is it also because of how fast they wanted to run and tell everyone the the, the sales. It gives us a bit of an idea of the digital physical split in Japan as well yes. for some of these games. As it three hundred thousand copies sold, but we only have just under a hundred thousand that was recorded physically so mm-hmm. it you kind of see that there's oh wow there's 200 thousand or so that sold digitally so it, it again it shows how how much we've shifted towards digital
0: yeah and I remember uh, tracking that early on in the days of uh, ps4 and Xbox one where it's like okay uh the number is like 25 percent physical 75 percent digital and then very quickly in that generation it went oh no it's like 50 50 and then since then it's just been like okay every percentage point after that was just a a, a slow climb. And then in the over the pandemic it was like, Oh no, now we're up to 70, 30, it's like 66%, like a two thirds is uh, digital sales. And, um, you know, that varies obviously by game and the audience and, um, and by platform, but overall it's a pretty good rule of thumb. Now, two thirds of your sales are going to be digital. Um, and you, I know you're someone who uh, constantly says this will be the last generation of physical, not because it's what you want. You just think that's what the platform holders want. You think this is another example of us being well on the way toward that future?
1: Yeah, I mean, PlayStation already told us they had like 80% digital last quarter. I, I kind of see that as the trend. And then you get to a position where the logistics behind it for shipping and packaging just stops making sense. And you just go... We're all digital. That's just the way it is. I mean, these publishers want that, too. They, they'd they mm-hmm. rather pay 30% than, I think it's like 45% or something otherwise. So right. in their mind, 15% is big. Let's just do that. You don't have to worry about getting these discs out there. And then what's the split? How many, how many PS5 do we have to ship? How many uh Xbox series, or even if you do across four, you still have to figure that out. And the retailers have to figure it's a whole thing. So yep. in their mind, we just we make them go live digitally and people will decide which ones they want it on. We don't have to worry about shipping this copy or that copy. So yep. I there's just such a push from basically everyone who's in charge of making the games to go digital. I, I think. What next generation? You know, twenty, twenty seven or something. We'll probably just see an all digital Xbox and an all digital PlayStation to launch that new generation.
0: Yeah, I, I think that it's um it, the kind of thing you can hear that and say, oh, but I always buy physical. I'm someone who like they don't want to lose my sales. Um, I'll be pretty frustrated if that happens. The pressures on the other side of that that John just like listed it like it's and it's not just like oh it costs more like it's overhead. It's like long term costs. You have to hire someone who's in charge of making all of those transactions so you could ship something across the world happen and someone to like analyze the market so they can guess how many copies you should be printing I used to do and stuff that. like that i used
1: to have to i used to have to pick between it for multiple stores which right. how many of each copy and percentages for and i'd always get it'll you'd always be wrong so yeah. that's why you have a bargain bin.
0: <laughs> exactly yeah it, it's it just creates waste it creates inefficiencies and they like every little inefficiency you can eliminate as a company it's more money in your pocket they, those pressures like build up over time And also, it's just like such a a volatile market. Like you could say like one day things can be this cost. And then you three months later, if there's like a ship that gets stuck in a harbor somewhere, the prices are going to shoot up. I mean, right now, maybe people are like, oh, well, physical is not going to go away because like shipping container costs have like plummeted down or whatever because everyone's worried about a recession. You know, next, you know, who knows a year from now, they could bump back up. The point is that they've seen those costs go as high as, you know, like $25,000 to ship things across the country. So they are, uh, w- they are very much in, in want of eliminating all of those costs wherever possible. So, yeah. Uh, the, Callisto, the Callisto Protocol Studio uh, says, Game Pass is difficult as a financial model for its game. Uh, I'm going to pick up this from uh, an interview where he said, uh, I think this, this article actually says, While we were at the show, we asked the studio CTO, Mark James, about the possibility of seeing a title like the Callisto Protocol joining Microsoft's Game Pass service. While the team th- uh, says they think about it, they suggest that ultimately the service isn't the right place for a single player game from an independent studio to thrive. And this quote comes from uh, th- that, that uh, CTO. Microsoft has their own single player games within the service, and I still think you're going to see the platform holder studios provide single player games in them. I'm just saying that as a financial model, it's a difficult one to make uh, to make work as an independent studio, James said. I think you're going to see single-player games, but it will probably come from the hardware companies. And I think he's definitely talking about at launch, right? Day one, that's where it doesn't make sense. I think down the line, putting any game into Game Pass, single-player, no matter what it is, after it's had its initial sales window, uh, that might make sense. But on day one, uh, like to, to combat against potential heart like actual physical sales and digital sales that people are actually purchasing that's the model that I think a lot of companies are still struggling to justify in their head when they have these conversations with Microsoft right
1: yeah i mean if you think about it this way it's a third party talking it's not their job to sell consoles or or game pass subscriptions mm-hmm. so in their mind it's like is this check that Microsoft would potentially give us bigger than the day one sales that we could get? I'm sure they've drawn it out. They have people in charge of figuring out, all right, what's the, what's the revenue we expect to bring in. Okay. That eclipses the check Microsoft gives us right now. Let's roll the dice on this. But also it, if you don't have any kind of post purchase spend in your game or something set up for that, I, I don't really know why if you're Callista protocol that very well could be the length of like a resident evil village. So like less than 10 hours long, like why you'd put it in the game pass. If you feel like you could get $70 or something up front. Mm -hmm. And then there's always the potential, as you said, we can just get a check from Microsoft later, maybe for a little less, but if you add that up with the money, we'll probably get here. Then, uh, then it makes more sense to kind of go that route. I mean, for all they, they know they could put this thing out and it explodes and they get, they sell, they end up selling 10 million copies like lifetime. And that was the right decision. But I guess it could also go the other way. Um, but there's a lot of hype for Callisto protocol. So they're, they're in their mind. See what happens. And, it, they'll, and they'll go that route.
0: Exactly. And I think, um, uh, you know, we've seen other studios talk about how, Oh, we've done game pass in year two. And that has led to huge success for us. We got bonuses for performance and stuff like that. I can't remember the game we talked about earlier this week, Chad. So if you help me remember, maybe, but, uh, uh, it was like, yeah, no, like, hey, the first year was great. The second year has been really great as well. We continue to grow and stuff like that. And a lot of that is due to game pass. So it's like, are yes, you're definitely going to get a slight, slightly smaller check from Microsoft up front if, if you don't take that day one stuff instead of taking like a, if your option is to go, you know, a year from now, maybe we'll do that. But you're right. The risk reward of potentially hitting it big with a game like Callisto Protocol, which seems primed to hit it big. Yeah, obviously that's a roll of the dice you're going to have to take most of the times when those companies. If you think
1: about the games that are going to like third party ones, will be the Show that has a lot of post purchase spend. I mean, oh, yes. that, that thing is microtransaction all over the place. Uh-huh. Uh, Outriders is a live service game that again seems like something that makes sense for it. Whereas Clister Protocol, let's be right, it's it's going to be this narrative driven experience. You go through and then you decide if you want to play it again or if there's any replay value to it further. You're not necessarily like oh i'm gonna buy that skin for my character now <laughs> you know so it's uh we'll see i i think in their mind though they're an independent studio that doesn't have massive backing anyway to roll the dice for on a check that might not cover everything yeah
0: exactly i mean exactly this is and this is like a potential big breakout hit for them and but you're right i think if if we i wonder if that comes from microsoft's side as well like the uh when they go out to make these deals if it's like yeah we would love to make a deal with someone like a cluster protocol but we see more engagement from games that have these ongoing multiplayer live service components and so they're they're actually not just like they don't fit better they make more sense for us and they're worth more to us so i i i wonder if that um is actually how they're approaching or if microsoft's like no we want variety we would pay you about as much as we would pay anyone else but for a single player game it's like uh you know we don't have that money coming on the back end. So like that's actually that that number, which makes sense for a live service game that then gets huge exposure to this huge en- game en- engagement like you know, trough that is Game Pass. That makes sense for them. It's not gonna work for us. So yeah. Uh Gizmo from Gremlins is coming to multiverses. <laughs> uh they this is the, something they've teased. They're they're teasing a lot of characters from multiverses. So bring this look, look take a quick look at this like teaser here. Uh but they've they've talked about um I think uh uh, another character from Gremlins coming. I think Stripe, like an actual Gremlin. This is going to be Gizmo, who's a Mogwai. He's that he never actually turns into a Gremlin, but like, hey, he's going to be in there soon. Uh, they've got like three or four characters primed to come to the game and that have not come out yet. So it's like they are making a lot of promises for content, which I suppose makes sense. They are probably riding high off the success of this game, and they're like, mm-hmm. hey, anything we could do to keep that going, we're going to do right.
1: Twenty million players, right? Is last recorded amount that they that they gave us. I, I love these reveals and the ideas around this though. Mm -hmm. Like who would have thought you'd have a game where you have LeBron, James, Superman, Bugs Bunny, and El Gizmo fighting each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, Hey, I say, keep getting weird with it. Obviously they have a lot of uh, partnerships and deals they're making and intellectual properties. They're going to leverage, but why not make it as weird and outlandish as possible to just get more attention to the game uh, because that—that's what worked for Fortnite. They Fortnite—you can swing around, you can jump on a Nimbus cloud, you can Kamehameha wave people, right, do the Ninja Run John to Naruto, Cena. Yeah. John, yeah, you could do all this crazy stuff, and it's—it's it's hilarious. But it sets it apart from everything around it. So do the Fortnite approach. Just get all these weird things going on here, and that actually kind of makes the reveals exciting anyway, because you legitimately don't know what's going to happen next, and it is yeah, a live service game, but the idea is keep people engaged and having character reveals consistently and new content is, is how it works. That's how you do it. So I, I, li- I like what they're doing here with it. I, I had downloaded it and I was going to play it. And it did that thing where you, you turn it on. It's like, all right, go here and sign up. And I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, I'll do it later. And I just never did. <laughs>
0: so, I think if, maybe, if you set your age to like 10, they don't make you sign up. So that's, that's really? the key. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're like, oh, we can't t- pick your data. Never mind. Uh, this is the game that figured it out, right? They figured out the um, way to capture some of the magic and momentum that Super Smash Brothers has with, with its character announcements. And people speculate on that for years at a time and like go like joining camps of other people who are like, this is the character we want you to put in the game next. Like um, now underneath every one of these tweets now, there's people like that, uh, you know, say we want this character. We want Mordecai and Rigby from the regular show in the game. And there's accounts made up like we want put... Mordecai and Rigby and multiverses—the Twitter account and uh, the fact that like that stuff is already built up for this game in a way that we haven't seen with any other sort of Smash Brothers clone. Uh, they've made it work. The, like the magic is kicking off for them. I wonder if um they will go as weird as they possibly can. Like they do own like the Friends characters. Do so they put Ross from Friends in there or something? Walter White. Why not? One is a good meme. Exactly. At a certain point, they should be saying why not to yeah. all that. Yes, and it would totally work. And and um, it's not like oh. This uh, audience is a, a young audience. No, you're putting Gizmo from Gremlins, a 30, 40-year-old movie at this point, uh, in, into this game. So clearly you are hitting all of the demographics here. Why not put in characters from adult-facing shows like Walter White? Like, it makes a lot of sense. And you're right, it, the weirder you can get, like, Fortnite, the more possibilities it is for, a like, this social engine of just, like, throwing things. You could on- do
1: Walter White. I feel like you could do it because he wouldn't need... Like to be standing there with meth or anything, he had like in some of the episodes, like one he actually made just like a crystallized explosive essentially yeah. through with the ground. He could do something like that as his finisher. Yeah, there's all kinds of fun stuff they could
0: do with Walter White without him having to
1: have a gun and like a meth lab
0: behind him. Exactly. Yes, and I, I mean I think it would be interesting to see how they would pull that stuff off, and they could like make allusions like some of the like the the grittier seedier stuff that comes from like the source material they don't have to explicitly do it and that could be fun for like adult audiences too where it's like a pixar movie where like oh these jokes are going over the kids heads but they're getting to the adults or whatever and i love the
1: idea of the friends character going in there that would be that would be so funny i I actually might get mainstream attention
0: (laughs) i think i i think that it's uh it's got to be like an ace card that they're holding on to like when this game needs a boost of attention Uh, We just have the Friends event. I wonder how much of uh, like likeness rights would be a problem for them. Hopefully it's Uh, not, though. I would love to just, like... Write the check. (laughs) Yes, Ross (laughs) is the most powerful character multiversus has ever seen. It's just the dumbest sentence I could possibly think of. Um, All right, I put this one in here, this next one in here for our good friend Janet Choa. Pokemon Go Psychic Spectacular is a new event that's kicking off Tuesday, September 6th, running through Monday, September 12th as a new Mega... Alakazam, I'm going to say these words. I don't know what most of them mean. So I'm just going to say them. Uh, mega, new Mega, Alakazam. Evolving Kadabra, or catching Alakzam, uh, Alakazam, excuse me, will learn Psychic. Uh, wild Spawns feature Psychic Pokemon. T5 Raids feature Deoxys. T1 includes Unknowns, E, P, and S. Uh, 7 kil- Kilometer Eggs uh, will feature Smoochum, Wyanut, or Wynaut, Wynaut, and oh. Chingling which sounds racist, so I'm just not going to say that word again. Uh, field research includes Baltoy, Chimichio, Elgium, and Hypno, and uh, timed research rewards for Elgium. Uh, Can we confirm
1: those are actual Pokemon, by the way? because They could have just been like feeding just you fucking any kind with of me, life. Right, exactly. That's what
0: it feels like. Uh, Jan-, Jan in chat says, oh my god. So, he's back in. He's played a lot of, uh, of Pokemon Go. And uh, I-, I wonder, like, these raid events do seem like the kind of thing that get the people who have been playing Pokemon Go all this time to like check back in on on the game uh for me i'm like "Ah," i'm like ah i played pokemon go in 2016 i haven't checked back in do you think they could do anything to get you back into it
1: it would get me back into it uh i mean the only thing that would i guess really do it is that there was heavy integration in the new pokemon game so i'm like well i guess i have to download this now to check it out again i mean i've had pokemon go on my phone for a long time, like because when you get a new phone and you set it up to sync, it'll just redownload all your apps. Right? Yes. Had it since then, and actually, it's funny. Is it like a month ago, I checked back in, and it is completely different now from what I remember. Like, you got mm-hmm. raids, you got trade, like got battles, and and all the stuff we were asking for back then did eventually find its way into the game. But I mean, I, I don't even know if half these Pokemon are real. Like I said, in in this list, so I mean, one fifty one. That's still the best lineup of Pokemon ever made. <laughs> Uh, now they got Pokemon. that look like furniture. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, bags of it, <laughs> trash, which actually
0: is a good thing. But yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I
1: have had a bit of a resurgence in Pokemon recently, though. I liked Arceus. Arceus I was, was fine great. with Sword and Shield. Uh, I actually went through Brilliant Diamond and enjoyed it. That might have been more nostalgia than anything else. And now I'm looking forward to Violet. So I, maybe we're getting closer to it. And they mentioned anything where Pokemon Go has some sort of integration with one of these newer ones. Then I would download it and at least throw some Pokeballs around to, to complete whatever tasks they have set up. Um, but hey, it's good to see it's still rolling.
0: Yeah, I mean, and Pokemon's definitely rolling. I think their last year they said they sold more like copies of Pokemon games than they've ever had before. A big part of that is they had like more games offer, offered up than ever before. And now this year, you know, they're going to have Legends Arceus in the or beginning of the year, and then they're going to end it with the new generation of Pokemon in Scarlet and Violet uh it's going to be it's massive it's bigger than ever and uh it's w- the one franchise that it does it by not trying to um keep up with its audience uh a game or a game that we're like continuously talking about over here that we're like what is going on over there why does it look so grimdark why is it trying to grow up it's on is uh, that hogwarts game where that last trailer at a, a recent event i think it was jeff keeley's thing uh you know opening night live it just looks so i don't know off-putting to me and i'm like i don't you know i'm definitely not gonna show this to my kids where it's like, Hey, are you going to torture your friend on this quest? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm like, and Pokemon, it goes the exact opposite route of, no, we are just going to continue being what Pokemon always was. And we're going to hook hook the next generation of kids. And turns out also a lot of adults just want to keep going back to it. Cause it reminds them of, you know, the fun they a had a backlash to that
1: too, though. It's a mixed bag. A lot yeah, of petitions
0: oh, yeah. go up. <laughs> Oh they they definitely do from people who are spending a lot of money on Pokemon stuff though. Yeah, so, I was going to say yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So they're like all right, fine, write your petition.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I I uh am going to be playing Scarlet and Violet after having a lot of fun with Which uh, Yes, I I'm going to I always uh I'm a shitty like, Iconoclast or whatever it is. I, I uh a contrarian. I always go with the one that is the least popular so everyone was talking about getting violet i think so i think i'll get scarlet Mm -hmm. Uh, i want the one with the dumb looking motorbike that runs i think Uh, (laughs) so. it's like it makes me mad and i want to be mad when i'm playing my pokemon (laughs) games so i could feel something a default yes exactly (laughs) uh mario kart tour will no longer be gotcha starting in october um let's see here's a here's a peek this comes from the mario kart tour twitter account here's a peek at mario kart tours update coming late september Battle mode will be added along with a spotlight shop where you can exchange rubies for drivers, carts, and gliders. Also pipes you can fire by using rupees will be removed. Uh, see the notification for details, blah, blah, blah. It's, uh, basically what's happening here is it seems like regulation is coming for Mario Kart Tour, like it's coming for anything with, uh, with, with, the uh, loot boxes. And to avoid that, they're just going to take it out and they're going to put an item shop in, in instead. Um... For me, the time for Mario Kart Tour has passed. I am not going to ever probably play that game again. But people, it continues to make money. People are going to keep playing it. I, uh, I wonder if they will be happy with this transition because it's like, oh, no longer do I have to rely on luck to get all of the items I want. If I want something, I can just go in a store and buy it. That seems better, right? Seems much better. Uh, the the biggest thing that makes money
1: are those gotcha systems where hmm. you have to just keep spinning a roulette yeah. or spinning a wheel until you finally get it, essentially. Rolling the dice, the RNG and all of this because... Sometimes RNG is not on your side, and I mean I've seen streams for popular games like on cell phones where they'll spend thousands of dollars to get one character or card or whatever it is. Whereas if they could just go into the shop and buy it for I'm not even kidding like a hundred bucks, they would have just done that. They'd be like, Mm -hmm. yeah, fine, I'll just buy for a hundred dollars. Which sounds crazy to us because we're talking about things like sixty and seventy dollar games. They're just Mm -hmm. like, I want this skin. It's eighty dollars. I don't care.
0: (laughs) Uh, But i've started playing Fortnite recently we have we have a, we've done a lot of it at, at the site recently and um it's very very quickly do you get into the mindset of i, I want this skin so yeah, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna pay the money to up like you know get the virtual currency and all of a sudden i've spent like 50 dollars on this game like over the last couple of months or whatever last couple of weeks since like man when did, how did that happen so fast like the money just drains out and you're like a skin is anywhere from 10 to 20 dollars when you do the conversion it's like man that that's expensive. And you see, everyone has like every match, like you see a couple of new skins you didn't, you haven't seen before. If you haven't been playing this whole time, it's like, okay, they obviously, this is how they're making, you know, $4 billion a year, a year or whatever it is. And Mario Kart Tour is not going to be in a situation where it's making that much money. But I, and, and you really, honestly, you're right. The gotcha system might have made more because it got people into this like gambling loop, which is what the whole point of the system is, is to like get people ensnared mm-hmm. in this minefield where they just can't um get pull themselves away from playing it Uh, but still if like you have enough content in there and the game is fun people will show up for your stuff and and we'll spend money on it and hopefully that's a a better system in the long run so
1: what usually happens in other games though is for example belgium let's say there was a whole thing with that in loot boxes and so on they just introduce a regionalized version of the game and they remove it they still keep loot boxes and these hidden rng systems across the rest of the world where it's allowed so looking at this and nintendo and uh they were just now we're taking it out we don't want to deal with it it still makes me wonder if nintendo retreating a bit on the phone stuff
0: i think over i think overall i agree with the idea that Nintendo's retreating from phone stuff i just think that they don't have their heart into it um they are not going to completely abandon it but they are it's going to be a long time before we see them do something like another dragalia loss right they just pulled off uh, they're, they're ending support down. for Dragalia, yeah. Dragalia Lost. Are they ever going to do another original mobile IP? If they do, not anytime soon. They are like mostly pulling back from this space and just like, hey, we'll have Mario Kart, we'll have Fire Emblem, we'll do a few of these other ones, we'll have Animal Crossing, whatever. Um, but we're just going to keep supporting those and have those teams sort of running on autopilot uh, going forward where they just do their events and occasionally they have some new stuff. But I wouldn't expect a major investment into mobile from Nintendo anytime again soon. Um uh, although you know they are not the only ones like pulling back away from loot boxes overwatch 2 is getting rid of uh, loot boxes from overwatch 1 and that that just actually i think that just ended where you can no longer buy loot boxes in uh in overwatch i think you could still like earn them but, like you can't buy them right now so right it's like, okay, everyone started just pulling away from it. It's the old way of doing things. But
1: the thing with the phone stuff is it is completely accepted in that space yes. to have this. That's why mm-hmm. it's weird. Like Nintendo could have been like, I'll take it out in these regions. That's it. And people would have been like, all right, this is very odd. I will say that in that in the space, especially after their experience with Mario run that did not. Do as well as they were hoping mm-hmm. to then to. I mean, who knows? Maybe it wasn't making them the kind of money and they risk reward and they're like, ah, throw an item shop up. We're not going to deal with the government right. on this.
0: Yeah. Um, if, but... if this was making them like, you know, a billion dollars a year, like as some mobile phone games can do, they probably would not have done this across the board. It was probably at a certain point, it's just like, ah. Now, this will ensure we don't run into any future regulation right now. We're going to make the change anyhow. Let's just make it across the board. It kind of feels like that sort of lazy take on it because they don't want to invest in mobile.
1: The other time this happens is when we're getting close to end of life for a game on mobile and they just start to unlock everything. And and sometimes they'll even let you download an app that just gives you your collection even when it's offline so you can look at it. I don't think Mario Kart Tour is done anytime soon because apparently there's been data mining going on. They have enough content for the next couple of years. So, yes
0: that's yeah, that,
1: interesting
0: again. And then it, so it feels like a kind of game that can just run on auto autopilot. So yeah. why not just keep mm. it going and supporting it? Uh, yeah, they, uh, they accepted on mobile, especially in Japan, where Nintendo's games are, you know, obviously very successful. Uh, Gachapon, that's where it is. Like it's it's home and it's bread, bread and butter there in the mobile market. Um. All right. CD project to reveal what's next for Cyberpunk 2077 in an upcoming live stream. Uh, this is the event I was mentioning earlier, like another event getting announced for September. Uh, they, this one, they you know, they've done sort of updates in the past. They say this one's going to be a special episode of its Night City Wire live stream uh, that will take place on Tuesday. Uh, it should also include uh, new information on Netflix's upcoming Cyberpunk Edge Runner anime series. Uh, but yeah, what's next for Cyberpunk 2077? At a certain point, I'm like, I, I am always going to kind of consider this game to be not quite everything it could have been, and to mostly be an okay game. Uh, they had a lot of issues at launch, but, uh, you know, it's fine. I'm glad, I'm glad a lot of people have sort of, like, reassessed it and gone back and found, like, oh, yeah, it is okay, and I actually really like it, um, but I wonder if they're ever going to really be able to turn it into The Witcher 3 or what Witcher 3 became after several updates. This one feels like it's probably never going to quite reach that level.
1: It's better now than when it oh, yes. first launched, obviously, but, oh, that hurt it so bad. Oh, it, like, to the point now where, I like, they announced this, and I don't even see it being talked about that much online. People are just like, yeah, it's I guess. And back but back when it was launching, this was a massive deal online. Like the internet would shut down. People were like, this we're gonna see Cyberpunk again. Uh so I don't I don't know if they'll ever get back to that level when they first launched it, but the game itself is still like now, especially it's a good game. It's just not a revolutionary game that I think they were going for or yeah. piping up, what I'll say. So I'm curious. I, they're gonna do some content for it, and they're gonna. They, they've already talked about how they have expansions come up, but those have been delayed and pushed around so they could fix the game. So I, I don't know if the t- the moment's passed for this game total because I've seen things like No Man's Sky recover, but right. it's uh, it's it's still gonna be a little while I think for that one.
0: Yeah, I, I think that um they will get to a point where making a cyberpunk sequel probably like makes sense and people will be excited for it. And it'll be like this groundswell of like letting the community sort of promote it instead of what happened with cyberpunk, which was we are going to present you the most far fetched concept of what this game could be in this back room at E3. And uh, hopefully we get there with the game and hopefully we deliver on all this stuff. And um, you know, they weren't saying that part to us, that part they kept quiet they did suggest like this is what the game was going to be and none of that stuff was in the game now fair enough judging the game on its merits for when it did come out and what it is now today after some updates and improvements it is still a game that i think you it's very easy to enjoy and it does have this um this look and this world that is very enticing and cool to spend time in uh but for me it's like it was never just i don't know it still feels like this kind of sterile game where you don't actually have as much choice as you think, unless you're talking about combat In combat. It is a very good RPG system and stuff like that. But yeah, and that, you know, but to me, that sets the table for more updates, improving it over time and then getting to a point where and now we're doing the sequel and we are going to deliver on all that stuff we originally said, maybe they can get people back there where when this game launched, it kind of felt like, oh, they missed their chance, and there will never be more Cyberpunk, and you know, they, they should just give up now. Uh, I no longer feel that way, and I think they're probably feeling much better about the game now than they ever have before, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. They'll, they'll probably continue to add to it, learn from it, and then I, I would like to think they would try a sequel, but even then, do you think they would still just use Cyberpunk's name? Would it just be like Cyberpunk 2 or Cyberpunk 2? I don't know, 30, 43 or something, mm-hmm. some weird number. Or would they just say, you know, we're going to do a spiritual successor to Cyberpunk? It'll be named something slightly different, but there'll still be talks of like the city and everything in it. And yeah, and it'll just take place in a different part of the world. Or
0: yeah, I, I wonder if it's um maybe it is uh, still using like the IP, but maybe like the name itself could be different. But I would imagine that if they aren't going to make this much effort to, uh, you know, re- mm-hmm. rehab the license. Uh, at this point, we have the license. They're part of the license. Anyhow, that they would probably just end up sticking with the name and, uh, doing us doing a direct sequel and all that stuff. Uh, all right. Final news story here before we get to the catch up. Um, the quarry director says his next game will be just as big and could deviate from teen horror. This comes from Andy Robinson at VGC, the director of until dawn and the quarry has revealed he's working on another full scale horror title, uh, which is tentatively planned for release by 2026 um th- th- that game did really well uh it was like a, the quarter was a big success for them it came out of time when not a lot of other stuff was happening uh it's a very it's a game that was uh did very well on some places like twitch and so people were picking up because of word of mouth um i think and then this the studio didn't they get acquired i'm trying to remember until dawn they got um or i not until dawn but uh what's the name of the, st- the studio um they, they didn't someone just pick them up i can't remember exactly but like now they have financial backing to like Just keep doing what they've been doing. And by 2026, we will probably get more. It's super massive. Thank you, chat. Super
1: massive games. Yes,
0: there we go. Um, Is this your genre? Do you play any of these games? I've I've never been super. I haven't been super compelled to play them. Whenever I do find myself playing, them, though, I always have a good time.
1: I I played I liked Until Dawn. I saw the quarry came out, but at at the time I didn't pick it up. I figured I would go back and play it eventually when maybe it fell in price or just a little quieter. In gaming, which it actually has been, so probably would have been an all right time to go back. But Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm curious if they're going to get away from teen horror, which is what they've been building on, basically. So all I can assume based on all these presentations I'm seeing from like uh, Jeff Keeley and uh, it's going to go, it's going to be in space. It's going to be like I don't know, they get away from teen horror, just be a regular space (laughs) horror game. Now I'd like to see them do something different and interesting. I mean, if they at this point they could get away from teen horror and even like the time period, they could like go back in time, like go way forward in time. I wouldn't mind seeing them go like way back in time and maybe tackle like a mythical creature or something. And yeah. Go that route.
0: Or like but. even like, um, like a period piece in like uh, medieval times or something like that and uh, where you're just playing as peasants and stuff like that. And it's actually kind of still basically a teen horror game, but not like a, a modern one. That's like punish the youth of a different era is what they should do instead of just punishing modern day youth. Yeah,
1: because huh. until Dawn seemed to really be really big for them and then and then Cory's even bigger, so I I mean that's what a lot of people are going to know them for, so I I wouldn't mind seeing them try something different just to shake it up a bit in that sense.
0: Absolutely. Um all right, let's get to the catch up. Let's uh, just talk about a few things I wanted to bring in here. Uh that Marvel versus Capcom 2 our one-up arcade cabinet is now up for pre-order. It's $600. Um, I I know your good friend RGT gets all of these systems. Do you uh, do you have any sort of um desire to have a home arcade for yourself or anything like that?
1: Not like him. He has like the entire basement covered in this stuff. Yeah. He has like skee ball and like basketball and like all these arcade machines. This one looks interesting though. I, I'm actually actually all right with the price at six hundred yeah. for what they're putting in there and the licensing and all the ugh, all the hurdles just to get MVC two. Into an arcade cabinet like this, it's less than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be closer to eight hundred.
0: Their pricing was like eking up a little bit, and it's like I'm like I'm glad that they found a way to like stop at like six hundred for something like this. Um, I you know obviously people have someone chats like oh just build a nice main cabinet for the for that price, and that's always an option of course. Uh, for me though, like six hundred dollars, yeah, maybe a little bit too expensive for what I would do if it was ever on sale. And the fact that it has you know the great art already on it and it's um it's it does have a bunch of games but perhaps the marvel versus capcom 2 that i could just almost put on a track mode and use it as like a, uh, a decoration in the basement mm-hmm. or whatever i'm like oh, yeah that's definitely something i would consider if it like got done a little bit lower in price but like if some if this is like your game i think 600 for something like this is pretty fair i got i did pick up the simpsons one when it went on sale at best buy and i've been really uh-huh. happy with it and it's like it and mostly i've been happy with it as this thing playing the simpsons logo out of an arcade machine you know on repeat sometimes when i just turn it on just for that and you know i have played it but also just having to sit around it's been great so uh some
1: people just don't want to build that stuff of just, course. they just want to spend the money and save their time and get it and that's it it's like same thing with consoles and pc build a pc i just want the console that's
0: yep. okay <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Xbox Game Pass Friends and Family has launched officially in Ireland and Colombia, so now if you are in those spaces, you can begin testing that stuff out for yourself. Uh, I expect this test to go well, and for this to go worldwide here pretty soon. Um, It's the kind of thing that people hear it and they say, well, that's such a great deal. Like, you know, I I could pay $15 and just be for myself or I could go to $25 and get all my friends and family on. And, you know, maybe someone will give me some money. And in reality, very few people are actually gonna remember to give you the money they owe you each month or whatever Uh. for Game Pass. But you're the person who is most insistent about this. So if you're the person that would give a company like Microsoft $15 for just yourself, you're also pretty likely to give $25 to make sure, you know, you can keep playing all these games with your friends and your cousins that you always try to get to play with you all the time. So Microsoft is aiming like the uh, the gun va- or the the, uh, the money vacuum at the right person, the person who's most likely to spend more money. And they're going to get more money out of you while you are sort of doing the word of mouth advertising for them. So it's like this perfect sort of marketing scheme that should work out well for them. What do you think?
1: No, I, th- I think it makes a lot of sense. If you upgrade $10 more a month, you're also then going to help them market game Pass to other people yes, like you might buy that and be like oh great now my my kids can use game pass with the xbox i'm gonna buy next week <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> for them so now we have two <laughs> xboxes wait a minute i have how many people can i can have how many is it four people on game pass friends and family
0: i think it's you and then four other people so five four total. people yeah well, i
1: need four other xboxes because yep. i got those people in my house i'm not gonna use my xbox and <laughs> it kind of builds in that sense of Kind of like how Nintendo said we want to have multiple Switches per household. Sort of like that for Microsoft with Game Pass. We want to have multiple Game Pass accounts per And
0: that household. Series S is priced at that, at that right range where $300, yeah. it's, yeah, it's okay. It's yeah. a choice, but it's not outlandish. It is something where you can really talk yourself into it if you are someone who is, like, building a room for your kids to play games. So Well, you know, if I got the Xbox, mm-hmm. they could use that to watch Netflix and i already have a machine yeah and the and fortnite's free on there no matter what and roblox oh it has roblox they never shut up about roblox it's very easy to talk yourself into there and then all of a sudden on top of that it's like well if i'm doing all that let's get the family pass so then they can play all these real games on top of that they're always asking me about maybe sometimes i could play with them and i could be on the one upstairs or whatever it's Yeah, it's just putting the pieces in place on the board so that you can be as um, easy to convince people or put as much pressure on them as possible to make them think this is a good deal for them, which is, you know, how this stuff works. Uh, And then finally, for the catch up, um, Sonic Frontiers gameplay overview, uh, John, I think I've succumbed to the Sonic cycle. I think I have uh, fully begun to believe that this Sonic Frontiers game might be you're okay. right in there. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. It looks fun. now. I Welcome don't know what to the happened. show. <laughs> yeah. What happened? Uh, it's uh, so th- this gameplay overview, it really just basically lays out what the loop of the game is going to be. Uh, you know, you're going to be going to places. You're going to be unlocking shortcuts. You're going to be unlocking new parts of the world. Uh, Sonic's just going to be running around doing attacks. I think the, the running circles around enemies is such a good idea for Sonic because, what do I want to be doing when I'm Sonic going fast? And mm-hmm. so h- how can we bake that into a, a combat system? Well, will just have them run circles around the enemies. And that creates this little, little you know, ring of light that destroys them or whatever. Perfect. Great. Wonderful. I think I'm all in on this now. So here's the good thing. I think the Sonic cycle will be broken
1: this time Ooh. because I think it's impossible for it not to be because the idea of the Sonic cycle is everyone gets built up with excitement for Sonic. There, there's all this marketing, anticipation, and then it's worse than the last one. This <laughs> right. cannot be worse than Sonic Forces. Sonic Forces is like a 57 or something on Metacritic. This, just on its, the idea alone the ambition, and concept.
0: The ambition is like, it's going to get points for that. I think you're right. Yeah.
1: So I, in that case, I do believe it'll be broken. And in fact, as they've shown it more and more, I, I am getting more and more optimistic for it. With this last one, I am now on board i'm in sonic frontiers looking forward to it in november it's tough though because it's coming out the same day as skull and bones so it could still get delayed <laughs> to get out of the way of that
0: right yeah of uh, course but,
1: <laughs> but it, it, i i i'm excited for it I, and you know what it's i don't know why they decided to show it the way they did the first time like that it, it wasn't a great showing for it but as they've gone along it's gotten better and better
0: I it, I laughed so hard because of course uh, it's also like the same day or the day before of like God of War, God right? Of war, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, not, that's so perfect. Um, I am, uh, you know, this, this there's a lot of eight year olds, eight year olds. The... Okay, here's what happened. I um was doing a podcast last night, and my kid uh stayed up in bed and found her tablet and was staying up, and and she should have been sleeping. So I go up there to put her back to bed, and she is uh, playing on her tablet and she is watching a Sonic cartoon, and she is telling me all about how now This is how she said it. Sonic is now my favorite. I'm like, oh no, mm-hmm. what happened? I went away for like an hour and a half, and I come upstairs, and this has happened. I'm like, first of all, the you know child protective services are going to come for me. Yeah, uh, but but <laughs> it was the second, like this, it's this is how it works. The kids just find Sonic, and he's got this like just the animalistic appeal that that mm-hmm. people just can't help but like. And Sega has uh, dominated, or has uh, you know played on that for years and years, and it's worked out fine for them. If they could make a game. That is, you know, fine for young kids that are getting into Sonic for the first time ever and actually still have some appeal and some quality for uh, the, the audience has been, been with them for forever. It could be a really massive success. It doesn't have to be Super Mario Odyssey. It doesn't have to be a 95 or whatever. on yeah. Metacritic. If it's like in the high 70s, low mm-hmm. 80s, I think it's going to be a real. That's kind of where I'm placing them. it. Yes. High 70s. The only thing that could really hurt this game is
1: if it comes out and it's just stupidly buggy <laughs> and like exactly. it's broken it won't work it like it, it deletes your saves for some reason something crazy happening that would uh get it the, like it had that cyberpunk moment right, right. Just about cyberpunk and it damages its first impression to where it's like it can't recover from it and they have to move on to the next one uh, so that's i i'm hopeful I, i'm hoping this is the big moment for sonic hey the movie has the intellectual
0: property it's riding high right now yep we'll, we'll see, see. It's, uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to play it is where I'm at and I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a real chance and we'll see. All right. Uh, let's go to the poll. Uh, do you have a game that you're looking forward to for the rest of the year? And I kind of did this a little bit as a troll for everyone who's like, I got, uh, there's nothing coming out this year. I'm like, we're like, let's just look and see. I still this, I think this is low. 80% of people say, yes, they have a game they're looking forward to for the rest of the year. Uh, 20% said no. And I'm like, you know, there's uh, God of War is not for me, but like I'm like most people seem to be into that, so you know you're gonna have a new one of those. Uh, But then there's all kinds of like smaller stuff between now and the rest of the year that I'm looking forward to. Uh, John, do you have something that you're really you really can't wait to play beyond
1: uh, Skull and Bones? Yeah, yeah. But beyond Skull and Bones, uh, that definitely, I mean, God of War Ragnarok's the big one for a lot of people, myself mm-hmm. included. But even something like Bayonetta 3, That's I think looks at, yeah. great. Bayonetta 3 is consistently, Bayonetta has consistently delivered every time it's released. Yep. 2 is very, very good. Massive strides from the first one. I love I'm expecting Bayonetta a too. lot. Yes. I'm expecting a lot from 3. Uh, but even like Mario Rabbids, I really like King, uh, Kingdom Battle. That was a very good XCOM-like mario game so this one looks even better so i'm absolutely looking forward to that as well we have splatoon 3 next week and uh, so i there's actually quite a bit to get excited for right now and then we have Callisto protocol wrapping everything up in the first week of december so that's just what we know of now i right. i could be playing metro a couple of months from now who knows
0: yeah it definitely feels like we're gonna know a, a little bit more about what's coming for the rest of this year and you know early next year but for the rest of this year and a couple of weeks so uh you know, that, that Nintendo Direct is there's one happening for sure. Will they announce Metro, Metroid Prime for the holidays? Yes, they will. <laughs> yes, they will. So, see, I'll be playing that. Yeah, I'll be there. playing Metroid Prime. I, I cannot wait. I, I um did the uh, Prime Hacks uh, emulator to try to see what that was like with a, mm-hmm. uh, a controller, and that was cool. But then I played with mouse and keyboard, and it just feels like a boomer shooter. It feels like Quake. <laughs> it's like so weird. Like, I'm like, oh my God, you probably beat this game in like 45 minutes like, without trying with this stuff. So, it's cool. <sighs> Good game. Good game. Yeah, hey, it's uh, <laughs> one of the best absolutely. All right, let's uh, ask a poll for not Monday cuz we're off. Tuesday we have the bombcast. So for next Wednesday, it's going to be a while before we get back here. Uh I was going to ask are you feeling more or less op- optimistic about Sonic, Sonic Frontiers since Sega first announced it? But let's just get let's cut to the chase. Will Sonic Frontiers break the Sonic cycle? <laughs> there we go. One. Yes. That's a good one. Yes, yes or no. That's it. There I think if it,
1: I think to break the sonic cycle we're looking at an 80 plus on metacritic so yes. above 80 I I think everyone will be like oh wow sonic actually has let's, a green icon next to it on <laughs> a 3D sonic game has a green icon next to it on metacritic Let's just
0: let's just let's just suggest that plus 80 80 plus right. on metacritic there we go there we go it. Thank you John that helps very much All right so we will answer that on Wednesday I kind of can't wait to see what people are going to say about that for now, though, uh, we'll be back with more Giant Bomb next week. Uh, John, where can people find you? You got anything going on? Uh, you got a podcast this weekend or anything like that?
1: Yeah, we got a podcast this weekend. Jeff might stop by. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. But Looking we got a podcast Sat- Saturday night. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, otherwise, though, I'm there weekday mornings just giving opinions and talking about random news stuff.
0: So I'm around. My, uh, my YouTube has totally learned that when I wake up around 7.50, yeah, when, I open oh, up yeah. YouTube, when I open up YouTube, it's like, oh, no, nope, there, John, right? First thing, you know, they know I want to watch that. So I watch it every morning. It's uh, it's great. It's I'm a there. great way to, like, gather up some news <laughs> to get ready for this show every day. So hey, I, uh, I appreciate hey, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Doing my job for me. I appreciate it. Uh, guys, we're going to have uh, some stuff happening on Giant Bomb today. Let's actually take a look over here at the thing while this reloads. Uh, Sekiro Choa. Jan is going to be playing some more Sekiro. So look forward to that. And then Ranking of Tekken Endings Part 4. Uh, we're not going to be doing UPF on professional Friday. It's going to take the week off so that we can instead do what should be the last part of ranking of Tekken endings. Uh, John, you have a favorite Tekken ending. You remember any of these uh, FMV sequence or you know CGI sequences from the end of Tekken I'm games? Not
1: really, off the top. I, I've never got that in a Tekken.
0: The best ones are where uh-huh. a, a son or a grandfather throws the either the son or the grandfather into a volcano. That's okay. Always I, the best I know, one. I know those. Yeah, yes, know exactly. Those. So uh, they're getting through to the last couple of games now, uh, and then we'll be back with another UPF next week, and then a whole bunch of other giant bomb stuff next week as well. After we take Monday off, so everyone, thanks for sticking with us all this week. Uh, Until next time, have a good one. Take care of yourself and goodbye.